hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Orange Juice Optional. How are you today, Suzanne? I'm doing pretty good. I had a long night last night. I'm, you know, I'm still in um, Scottsdale. And last night, I'm pretty sure we had the monsoon of the century here. And usually when the monsoons blow in, it'll be a storm that lasts, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and then it just keeps moving. This one went on for hours and hours. (laughs) And I felt like I didn't sleep at all. And it was one where the lightning, it was lighting up the house. And then there'd be these crashes of thunder. It was unbelievable. That always freaks me out. I remember we were in Havasu once having a monsoon or a a storm of some sort. And Rob decided he wanted to sleep with the um, shades open for the sliding glass doors. And the lightning was going off and everything. And all I could think of was the movie Halloween, where it was going to light up and there was going to be someone standing there by the door. And then the next time the lightning came, someone will be gone. It freaked me out so bad. So I like rain. I like storms, but that did freak me out. And I'm sorry you lost a night's sleep. That really sucks. Well, it's it's okay. Although I'm going to probably be dragging all day today. But I had just been thinking what well, I was in the mood for a good storm and we've had some monsoons, but not, you know, and it's been a good monsoon year, but nothing really dramatic. And last night was about as dramatic as it gets. I mean, it was unbelievable. So it wasn't too bad. So last night you were dealing with monsoons and here in Anchorage, I was dealing with two back-to-back house showings. And let me tell you, they might have gone well, but our experience with the dogs did not go well. Oh, no. What happened? Well, of course, when you're showing the house, you know, you need to leave it. And with us, we take the dogs, of course. Well, the first showing, 90 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Nine, zero. (laughs) Yes. And so we have these dogs in the car and we're just trying to entertain them. And we keep driving back by our house to see if these people are gone. And you know what? It was like they were having or hosting a block party in our driveway. They had six different cars. All of our garage doors were open and the kids were playing in the yard. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I need to feed my dogs. (laughs) I need to get out of my house. It was like the most unenjoyable 90 minutes of my life. One of my dogs was getting sick in the back of the car. Um, Of course, I didn't have leashes to let him out. So I've got to get more comfortable with this dog ownership thing. But let's go back to the disrespect there is when there's a real estate agent showing your home, your home, (laughs) and they take advantage of it. And they're just hanging out in your driveway. They have garage or like it's already their home, like they've already purchased it for 90 minutes. Oh my goodness. That is ridiculous. One time we came by, I swear a guy was signing paperwork. I'm wondering if, and I know this is far-fetched, but it could happen. I'm wondering if they pretended this was their house and sold a car or something in our driveway. I don't know what happened. It was the weirdest and strangest thing, I swear. Like, 
It was so strange. Wow. And did you get any follow-up from the real estate agent after that happened? Uh, He sent a message while they were still here asking if there had been any activity. And so my reply was, well, it's been consistent, which it has been. And we did have another showing at 730 last night. So I did tell him that and I haven't heard anything back. And it was just the weirdest showing and the longest showing ever. Yeah, I just think that's really inconsiderate and rude. Right. And then we had another showing at 730, which that half an hour we had to come home, feed the dogs, get them all ready to leave again. Then they were a half an hour late showing up. So we didn't even get back into the house until like 845. And yeah, it was a long day. You got to get that house sold. <laughs> I know. Crazy. I know. And all I can say to myself is, you know, I brought this on myself. Like we we decided to sell the house and then our dogs, they came up during this time. So I did bring it on myself and I am adjusting and it would have been fine if it had been a normal showing. But yeah, that was a little over the top and they better freaking buy this house after putting me and my dogs through that and Rob through it too. Well, no kidding. Holy cow. I know. I think I would have rather had the monsoons and worried about Jason coming through the um, sliding glass doors. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that didn't even occur to me last night. I'm glad I, we didn't talk yesterday before the storm because then I would have been freaked out. Yeah, well, I hope you don't have another one tonight where you have to freak out about that. Yeah, we definitely are in the monsoon stretch right now where there are storms every night. But I have a feeling last night is a once in a lifetime event. I don't think I'll see that again anytime soon. Yeah, you might need to get a shirt that says... I survived the monsoon of 2021. Oh, well. So I have a little um, housekeeping, not really housekeeping, but one of our podcast episodes we did, we were talking about my shop and I said, one of the places I'm never going to cut corners, never going to cut back on cost is, do you remember what that was? Yes. It was the shopping bags. Exactly. The packaging. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I am just putting it out there because I had the best shopping bags anywhere. And when I was out on my little road trip this summer, I realized that all the little shops I stopped at, oh yes, I have the best shopping bags ever. But we ran out of these shopping bags. And so we bought blank shopping bags because the company that we order from they had suspended printing because they were short-staffed and because of COVID, blah, blah, blah. That's all fine and good. So we've had blank shopping bags all summer, which, you know, kind of makes me feel really bad. But so we went to order our printed ones again, and the company (laughs) has switched to selling cannabis accessories and no longer does shopping bags What? Like cannabis made bags or like cannabis products? Products. Gear. Okay. Yeah. So did a complete 180. (laughs) Like, okay, we're just not going to do shopping bags. And I think that when they told us they had suspended printing, they were already in the process of shifting gears with their business. And they were probably trying to unload the shopping bags they had in stock. So we bought all these blank ones, which is fine. But now we're out of the blank ones or we're running out of the blank ones. But yeah, they shifted gears and now 
are a cannabis gear supplier. Oh my gosh, a little 411 on that so you could um, change directions. Right. So now we have been shopping for a supplier of shopping bags of the same quality that I can get customized with my logo. And do you know that (laughs) there are none? We can't find any with the same quality bag that will print the bag. And I am so disappointed. And it's like, so if you're shopping in my store and my shopping bags are a step down from what they used to be, this is not my fault. (laughs) This is not me cutting back on costs. This is a company who shifted gears and left us high and dry. And now I can't find a similar product anywhere. Okay, Suzanne. Well, I do have a solution. I don't know if it'll work for you, but my mind was working while you were talking about that. Have you been able to find the same quality bags? Just not with your logo? No, but we did find one close that we have ordered blank. Okay. Have you ever considered, and I know it's not what you're accustomed to, but it could help you get through the crisis, like getting a stamp that says, why hello, and you can stamp each of those bags just so it's something? Yeah. And I hadn't thought of the stamp. That's a good idea. It would be have to be a pretty big stamp for the size of the shopping bag. But I did order my logo on stickers, like eight by 11 stickers. So I can put white on white or black on black. And it's going to have to do. I mean, that's all I can do right now. But anyway, enough about my shopping bags. It was just one of those things I had to follow up on because it's like so disappointing that my my shopping bags are not what they used to be. And it's not my fault. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. And, you know, I thought you were going to go the way of there's just a shortage of bags because there is a shortage of everything. Up here in Alaska, you all know I love my Diet Cokes in the morning. You have Circle K, or we do have Circle K in Arizona. And right now they have this soda of the month club where you spend $6 and for a month, every day for a month, you get a soda. Wow. Yeah. It's a pretty good deal. Cause like if you added it up, it would be like $45 in a month and here you're getting it for $6. So I'm all about the deal and be sure to tell Rob that. <laughs> he would disagree. But anyway, the deal isn't really all that great a deal when you go in and they have a shortage of cups and you can't get soda. The soda's there. You just have no cup to put it in. And so I kind of thought that's the way you were going because I do find that products are. Yep. Very short supply. And we're still facing that with our inventory. And just as one example, I have a vendor I've ordered from consistently since I opened my store last February, February 11th, I placed an order, a $10,000 order with this vendor and to be shipped August 1st. And it's fall, you know, Halloween, Thanksgiving. And of this $10,000 order, August 1st, they shipped me $1,600 worth of product. And they actually took your money? They didn't just like... Oh, um, no. You don't pay for it. Okay. That's what I was asking. Okay. That's what I was asking. I was like, wow, that's a lot of money to put out there not to be getting 
anything. Right. No. And believe me, if that were the case, I wouldn't, I would have never ordered from them again. But no, they charge you at shipping. But the point is when you're counting on $10,000 worth of inventory in your store and $1,600 worth of inventory shows up, it's pretty disturbing. Not only that, there was no fall, there was no Halloween, there was no Thanksgiving. All that was in the shipment was Christmas. And it, it was like ugly Christmas. It's like, what is this stuff? It doesn't even look like stuff I would order. So I was very disappointed because, and it'll probably, some of it will probably trickle in, but it is so frustrating because I placed that order in February and to think that they could only come up with $1,600 in product to send me out of a $10,000 order is unbelievable. Right. And I'm still reeling at the fact that you just called something you ordered ugly Christmas because nothing in your shop is ugly. <laughs> so maybe it's a mistaken order because you do have very good taste. Well, and that's what we're researching right now because I said to one of the um, girls that was helping me, it's like, I would have never ordered this. This is ugly. It's like, this isn't something I would buy. And so we're going back and we've pulled the order from February to find out if it's actually something I did order or if they sent me the wrong order or they just substituted product for what they had in their warehouse. I don't know. It's just ugh, so frustrating. Do the vendors do that without notifying you? Do they just substitute things like that doesn't seem right. I know they have been known to do that, some of them. And I have to be really particular about who I order from. And there are certain vendors that are really good at holiday product. You know, they have really cute stuff and it sells really well. It's usually a really good price point. But yeah, there are a couple of vendors that will tend to just substitute an item if they don't have what I ordered. So enough about my store, enough about the shopping bag crisis that I'm having. We need to get on to what we're, we actually really want to talk about today. What is it we are talking about today, Suzanne? Well, you hinted to me the other day that if I had any stories about six degrees of separation, and you said you had two stories, one of them you wanted to tell me right away when we started recording, which so I'm anxious to hear that. But from our last podcast, we were also going to follow up on five senses that trigger memories. So we have a couple things to talk about today. Okay, so where do you want to start? Okay, well, let's. you said you wanted to tell me your six separation, six, what is it? Six steps of separation story. I think it's six degrees, six degrees of separation. Right. And I don't know if this is really a six degrees of separation type of story, but kind of. It is more like this world. I mean, it is so grand and there's so many people, but once in a while, these things happen where you're like, oh my gosh, did this really even happen? Right. And I, and I would consider that six degrees of separation. I consider it the same. So tell us your story. So he just moved to Denver and he had been there about a week and uh, his friend Chelsea from Flagstaff came to visit him. So she was going to be in Denver visiting Colton for a week. And Chelsea has a couple friends who live in Denver 
So she saw them also. She had her hair done there. She went to ice cream with this other girl in Denver. So Chelsea goes back to Flagstaff and she is on, like, she's one of my Instagram friends and she does a post about her trip to Denver. And I'm reading the comments. And one of the comments is from this name that I recognize. And so I started thinking, like, is there any way Colton knows this person? I'm like, no, this is a Chelsea friend. So I started thinking about Chelsea's, since I'd known her, she goes to NAU, but before that she went to school in Boise. So I'm like, okay, I've just got to ask her how she knows this girl. So I sent her a message and I said, hey, Chelsea, I saw so-and-so responded to your Instagram post. And I just have to ask you, how do you know her? And she said, met her when I was in Boise. I'm like, okay, well, she's Colton's second cousin. He's never met her before. Wow. Yeah. And it gets even stranger because Chelsea's like, oh my gosh, you know, I was staying at Colton's apartment and my friend picked me up there. We went for ice cream. So she was at the apartment, but she didn't meet Colton. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how does this happen in a world with so many millions and billions of people where you have a friend that you met in Boise, you come to Denver and the person you're staying with and her second cousins? Yeah. That kind of thing just blows my mind. It's like, how does that even happen? Yeah. And I'm sorry, it took me a long time to, I don't really know how to explain things like that because I want to get the detail in, but. Right. You didn't go too far at all. I love that story. And what that makes me think of is when you have six degrees of separation, so many times we discover it through social media. And I have two cases like that where For example, my really good friend from my childhood, we've grown up together, we're the same age, I've talked about her a lot. She's kind of quiet on Facebook. She reads Facebook, but she never really comments. Anyway, I wished her happy birthday a couple years ago. And the wife of one of the people Jeff and Rob work with also wished her happy birthday. And I was like, how do they know each other? (laughs) It's like, they can't possibly know each other. So I asked my friend and she said, oh, she was my student teacher like 10 years ago. And we hit it off and we're really good friends. That's so crazy because your friend's in Seward, right? Right, exactly. So it, it was just so bizarre that they knew each other and I knew each of them didn't know that they knew each other. Yeah, social media, I I guess you're right. I mean, it does tie so much of that that together. And were they both surprised when you put it all together? Yes. They were both very surprised. Well, that is a very cool story. I love things like that. I know. What's your other one? It's the same type of story. I wished um actually it was my brother's high school girlfriend. So probably 30 years ago, but she's been a friend of mine on Facebook. We were friends in high school because she was dating my brother and we kept in touch. Anyway, I wished her happy birthday. And then the mom of one of my younger son also wished her happy birthday. And I was like, how do they know each other? And same kind of thing. I was friends with both of them, but didn't know that they knew each other. And you know, they went to high school together or something too. They were just at different high schools, which means 
they went to high school with me, but I only knew one of them at the time. So it is, it was just a bizarre story. So do you remember that cruise we went on in Australia? I do. And the first day we were on the cruise, I think we were still in New Zealand in Auckland and we had just gotten on the cruise ship and Rob went over to the bar and, you know, he talks to everybody and he was talking to a couple at the bar only to find out that they are friends with somebody that Rob and Jeff work with back in Anchorage. I do remember that. And that is one of those stories. It's like, how does that even happen? I know. It it blows my mind. So I have another story and social media in this story didn't come into play at all. It was just good old fashioned conversation and talking and getting to a point where you're like, oh my gosh, I was there when this happened. I was part of your story and you didn't even know it. So if you would like me to, I will share that story also. Absolutely. This one sounds like a good one. It's a good one. And it might take a few minutes. And again, it's unbelievable in the end how the connection came in and I was actually there. So about 10 years ago, We had gone to a football game in Seattle. It was us and some of our friends and then some of the vendors that work with the company that our husbands work for. And, you know, just talking and chatting. We go to dinner afterwards and I'm talking to the guy who had lived in Anchorage, Alaska, but was currently living in Colorado. So there's a Colorado theme here going on. I guess so. (laughs) So, but he was in Seattle for this game and we're at this dinner and he's just telling me about his life, that he lived in Anchorage, Alaska, that him and his wife had been trying to have a baby, but couldn't have a baby. And so they had found somebody who was giving up her child for adoption and this was their son. And after they had the son, they were able to get pregnant with their own biological children. And so he was telling me the story and I knew the age of his son. And so I started putting two and two together and I said, well, let's see, was the name of the child's mom this? And he's like, yes, it was. And I said, was he born in March of 1994? Yes, he was. Did you come to Providence Hospital to meet him? Is that the hospital? He's like, yes, it was. And I said, I was in the room the first time you met your son. (gasps) Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. My mom's very good friend up here. It was her daughter. And my mom and I had gone there to see them. And while we were there visiting, the adoptive parents came in and met their son for the first time. And... I was like, I was there in the room when you did that. And wow, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, like stories like that just are unbelievable. No kidding. That is such a cool story. Yeah. How does that even happen? How do we even get on a topic? I guess when we start talking about our kids, like anything goes and, you know, people are comparing stories and stuff. So that's probably how it happened. I know, but that is so incredible. So things like that, again, they blow my mind and inspire me. Yeah. And I could go down the road of, just bear with me for a minute. I lost my brother five years ago and 
he had been out on a hike by himself early one morning and never came back. My sister-in-law's got that phone call that he had had a massive heart attack on this trail and passed away. And part of that whole story at the time was the part about not knowing what he went through when he died. It haunted all of us. I truly believe it haunted us to just not have any answers. Like, where did it happen? He died in October. And in January, after the holidays, a woman sent my sister-in-law a letter, or they called, I can't remember which. And she had been with my brother. She came up on him after he had his heart attack. And she offered to take us on this hike with her and show us what happened that day. And I get emotional to this day when I think about it. And so she took us on this hike. She showed us what happened. And it was emotional for all of us, but it was so healing. You know, it put us at peace. So anyway, we're at the spot where she was had done CPR and she was telling us how five people had come together randomly on this trail. One person had called 911 and the other three people or two people took turns doing CPR. Another couple stood at the trail and kept people from going by saying, you know, someone's had a heart attack, we're doing CPR on them. So they all, the, all these random people, and she's telling us this story and this guy comes running by us and he stops and he said, oh my God, were you there that day? And he was one of the five people that had stopped to help her. <laughs> and he was one of the people that also did CPR on my brother until the paramedics arrived. And when the paramedics arrived, they had to bring in a helicopter to airlift him off the mountain. And when they did that, they had to clear the mountain. So these five people scattered without exchanging contact information. So no one knew who any of these people were. They had just randomly come together and then randomly were split apart. And that day, when we were out on the hike, this guy comes running by and says, I was one of those people that was here with you. I did CPR. So then they <laughs> became emotional because it had been haunting them like it had haunted us about what had happened that day. I mean, it was just the most remarkable day of my entire life. So then we started talking to the woman who had introduced herself to us via a phone call or a letter. And we said, well, how on earth did you ever find us to reach out to us to contact you or to contact us about all of this? Because they had, they had to scatter. There aren't, my brother had no identification on him. They airlifted him out. Um, so nobody knew who, who he was. Well, this woman who had contacted us went into work on Monday. This happened on a Saturday. She went into work on Monday. Turns out she was a judge in Phoenix. And my brother was a public defender in Phoenix. And someone came into her office that morning 
and plopped down all of my brother's files on her desk and said, this gentleman died this weekend. He had a massive heart attack while he was out hiking. And so his clients need to be reassigned. And that's how she found us. Wow. That is so randomly divine. Like there's so much going on there as far as that healing message coming through and how all the timing and of everything, like there was divine intervention there. There, there was needing to be healing on so many levels and from so many people and wow. Right. And to think that this woman who was a judge worked in the same public defender's building as my brother did. I mean, it is so remarkable It is one of those life-changing stories. And I hope that my sister-in-law doesn't mind that I share that story because it is a deeply personal story, but it was so healing for all of us. And we are so eternally grateful to the woman who reached out to us and helped us put closure on that very tragic day in our lives But it's a story that I have to share because when we talk about six degrees of separation, that truly is one of the most remarkable stories we have. Right. And I have absolute goosebumps right now just listening to the story and how random it all seemed, but it came together in a way that could allow you all to take that next step forward and, you know, find that connection and to say thank you. And then also to know what happened and that he wasn't alone and that there were people trying to help and, you know, where everything amazing. Like, thank you so much for sharing that. Well, it is truly a story to be shared. And I feel like it's my story to be shared as well as my sister-in-law's, but it's really her story. We shared the story, but emotionally, it's a much more complex grief when you lose a spouse. So anyway, enough of all of that. But it's my story. It is your story. And I just want to say, because you know, I'm someone who looks for signs in the universe around me. And what did you tell me right before we started recording this podcast today? (laughs) I can't remember. It's like, I can't remember five minutes ago. It's like, you remind me what I said to you right before this podcast. Because I almost said something at the time, but I'm like, we'll just see how this goes. But this was definitely a sign. You said that there was a cardinal that just appeared outside your window. Oh, my And cardinals, red cardinals are usually that message that your loved ones are with you. And the fact that it showed up right before then and you shared the story. Holy cow. I'm seeing the connection there. And I am so dumbfounded by that because... I don't know, shortly after my brother died, my daughter, who was struggling with work issues and other things, shortly after that, she was with her husband's family on a vacation. And she was just feeling really down, just trying to find answers, what her next move was going to be as far as her job. And a cardinal landed at her feet and sat there with her. And she actually took a picture of the cardinal at her feet. 
And she called me and she said, I know that was Arnie trying to make me feel better. So she and I have always hung on to whenever we see a cardinal, we believe it's my brother visiting. <laughs> and, and so the fact that you just pointed out to me that I saw that cardinal right before we started recording is kind of blowing my mind right now. <laughs> It's what I do. It's, I mean, I look for these signs everywhere. And I have a story about a cardinal also when I went to College Station before Jimmy and Eva got married. And I was visiting with Jimmy and we were inside talking about his grandpa. A cardinal appeared just outside the window. So I always see them as a sign. And so, yeah, I just wanted to point that out to you because you've probably been thinking about this story for a while and whether or not you were going to share it. And I think that was permission. It's okay. Actually, I had forgotten about that story. Oh, scratch well, <laughs> well, all that. No, but no, they knew. <laughs> but that's what's so remark. That's part of what's so remarkable to me because when we talked about doing the six degrees of separation episode, I was like, okay, I know those stories are out there. Why can't I think of them? And you know, I I have a list of reminders of like, well, there was this time and there was this time, and not once did that story enter my mind when I was trying to come up with six degrees of separation stories? Why that one just completely escaped me. But deep down, I felt like I had a story. It just hadn't surfaced yet. So the fact that that cardinal just swooped in before we started recording and that story was triggered by your story about um, being in a hospital room when the couple met their adopted son that triggered that memory. And truly, it's like, this kind of stuff just blows my mind, because I really, deep down, I knew the story was in there, but I hadn't, it hadn't come to the surface yet. I hadn't remembered it. I love this. I I just, (laughs) I, I do. I look for signs everywhere. And so we will have to do an episode about that at some point, because they're everywhere. And you just have to look for them. And, you know, I don't want people to be like, wow, Michelle, that's a whole lot. But it really, (laughs) it's really real. I'm not making it up. So, (laughs) well, no, I agree with you. And if you're in tune to those signs, you find them, you see them all the time. Definitely. We have said that we would like to talk to some single ladies who are in their 50s or older about what dating is like. And I did talk to my friend here in Anchorage and she's all about it. She's just like, you won't use my name, will you? (laughs) If you don't want me to use your name, I won't use your name, but she's all for it. So hopefully the person you had in mind is up for it too. Well, she was the one that introduced the idea to me and she was like, wouldn't that be a really good podcast And I said, absolutely. She would have to come up on as a guest, though, because I currently am not single and I don't know what it's like to re-enter that world after losing someone, whether it's divorce or death. So she actually was the one that gave me the idea. So yeah, we're going to have to pursue that. Definitely. I look forward to doing that because I have heard the trials and tribulations, is that the right word, Uh that my friend has been going through. And 
she is hysterical when oh. <laughs> she talks about them. It is so funny. And it's just giving yourself permission to go through the process. And, you know, once you can do that, have fun with it. So, yes, I love it. We'll have to get that um, set up. Any other degrees of separations or this big world is just really a small world. Everyone's connected. Do you have any other stories you want to share there? Well, no, I think they all feel kind of anticlimactic to me after sharing my big story, <laughs> my my one and only real meaningful story. <laughs> right. And I would agree with that. I was thinking while you were saying it, like, where do we go from here? Because that is so powerful and impactful. Well, I don't know if this is a good transition or not, but from our last podcast, we were talking about nostalgia. And at the very end, you kind of teased me with the idea of how our senses interact with us and help trigger memories. And so we could go down that road because I now I'm in a nostalgic mood because I'm thinking about my brother and that whole life. Right. So is there one of those senses that for you triggers more memory than? Absolutely. And that's my sense of smell. Okay. Well, do tell. Okay. Although I think I've shared this story in another podcast, but when um, my husband and I were dating and I was young, I was like 19, 20 years old when we were dating, he wore a specific cologne. And I swear to this day, when I smell that cologne, what's an old spice, but it was along those lines. Every time I smell that cologne, it takes me back to when he and I were dating. And all those memories just rush in about what you felt back then, um, how exciting everything was back then. Not that it's not exciting now, but just that the new stages of a relationship. Right. And it can take me back even to memories that you kind of back burner, that you kind of forget about. And then you smell that one specific smell. And like, for example, I remember we were dating once and Jeff had a um, hard top MG that he loved this little car. And we scoot around town in this little car. It wasn't the most reliable car. And he always used to love to scoot around town and we inevitably stall out in the middle of an intersection somewhere. And more times than not, he and I would be (laughs) pushing that car out of an intersection because it would stall out. So I smell his cologne that he wore back in the day, and it would take me to that memory. And it's just the weirdest thing. So what about you? What sense um, triggers your memories? Well, I kind of tried to think about something for all the different senses. And I guess the sense of sound or the sense of hearing really does trigger a lot of memories. But, you know, so does certain smells, certain things I see. I couldn't really think of much for touching like that triggered. I'll give you that when I hear it takes me back. And it is the sound of crickets. Oh, When I hear crickets chirping, it takes me back, and I'm getting sentimental here because I really miss my grandparents, but it takes me back to California, and it takes me back to the front porch in front of their house, where every time we showed up, they were on the front porch waiting for us. 
And at night we would sit out there and you would start to hear the crickets. And it just really takes me back to my childhood and remembering my grandparents and my time as a young child there. I love the sound of crickets so much. And this is a piece of trivia you might not know because I didn't know you when I married Rob, but we got married in Northern California up in Sonoma and the best man put a recording because it was 4.30 in the afternoon, actual crickets weren't out yet, put a recording of crickets chirping in the background for that wedding. Oh my goodness. All I have to say is that was one, you had a great best man. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Rob, Rob, Rob chose well there, but he's got a lot of really good friends and it was just really nice that he took the time and um, did that for me. That is so cool. What a great story. Yeah, jump off topic real quick here too. Same topic, but not on, well, same topic about, or we had, but he reminded Rob to come back for the wedding because they were out wine tasting and oh. he almost forgot <laughs> pictures. So <laughs> our best man was stressing. He's like, no, we got to go now. You got to get back. You got to get ready for pictures. You got our bride waiting. And so that, um, he got Rob to the wedding. Oh, yep. He was worth his weight. Let me tell you, that was a good best man. So does it for me, like hearing certain songs will take me back to and smell also like you, uh, a certain smell whenever I go to Northern California, I don't know what I'm smelling, but it's something I only smell there. And it instantly takes me back to this is home, even though I've been away from there since I was five, basically other than trips back. So that's kind of my sense of smell. Oh, I love it. I was thinking about when I was just at Lake Michigan. And you know, I've told the story, you know, we've done this every year for 40 years. And every year that I've been back, the one thing that I forget about that takes me back to my childhood is when I see lightning bugs. And your crickets made me think of that because it's like when you live in Arizona or you live in Alaska, there is no such thing as a lightning bug. But boy, you see your first lightning bug in the Midwest. I get excited every time I see a lightning bug. And I really go back to when I was seven or eight years old in my mind. And I used to catch lightning bugs and you'd put them in a jar and you'd poke holes in the jar so they could breathe. I was just going to ask, is that a real thing? Like with lightning bugs, you can put them in a jar and they'll light up the jar? Yes. And you poke holes in the top of the jar so that they can breathe so they don't die. But yeah, then you hold them in this little mason jar and the more lightning bugs you get in the jar, the more the jar lights up and yeah, and that's one of my favorite memories, but it's a memory that I forget until I see a lightning bug again. And I seriously, when we were at Lake Michigan, the first lightning bug I saw, I wanted to get up and go catch it. And I was like, okay, Suzanne, you're not seven anymore. <laughs> you don't need to go. Catch you're not seven anymore, but you have a grandson who would be fascinated. Yes, I agree. He's a little young yet, but in a couple of years, we will be out catching lightning bugs. Definitely. I want you to catch one for me and like take a picture because I've only seen it in movies. I've never seen one in real life. Well, and it's something that we did all the time, which is so amazing. And you forget about those things until you're reminded of them. Right. Do you have Pinterest? I do. Okay. Well, sometimes 
when I am feeling very nostalgic, I will go on Pinterest and look up toys from the 70s. Have you ever done that? Or is that just me and my weirdness? (laughs) I have never gone and looked them up. But again, here's what happens to me is I forget about toys from the 70s. I will forget about them. But then, for example, I was just in a toy store that sold only nostalgic toys. In fact, I think the name of the shop was Nostalgic Toys. And it was in, I can't remember where I was. Maybe Colorado seems to be the theme today. And then I'll see a toy and it's like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen this since I was a kid. Does it make you happy? I usually end up buying something. (laughs) So that's good because these things need to live on. It's like stories that our grandparents or their parents had to share that sadly sometimes pass along with them. And so we need to keep moving the past forward. I agree. I don't know. I'm getting nostalgic all over again. And when I get off recording, I'll probably have to go look at Pinterest and find your favorite nostalgic toys. Yeah, because there were so many of them that you you just completely forget about. And then you see and you're like, oh, my gosh, yes, yes. That is so fun. I have really enjoyed talking with you and being able to share these random stories that have happened and then the connections behind them. I think it's really cool. I agree. Great way to end our show. Yeah. So I guess with all that shared, and since I didn't say it earlier in the episode, yay, Suzanne. (laughs) And cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years. And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting, the biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had God send music, I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know-everything-about-podcasting kind of guy, and the best part for us was that he was so nice and down-to-earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count because we are a technology challenge. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at podigy.co. That's P-O-D. I-G-Y dot C-O. They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Podigy. Our next toast is for you. Cheers. Cheers.